0: Greetings, Grapple fans! This time, once again, for myself, and Mullen, and my co host,
1: Simon Cross, to
0: take you on our Let Me Tell You Something 2019 quest. Through all the matches that we can get our hands on, the Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer has rated five stars or higher. And we're back in North America this time. We're venturing back to WCW.
1: Okay, does it have to be done right now? Right. Okay, cool. What did you do to it? Alright,
0: I'll sort it. She's
1: opened the sh- she's opened the shed, but she just can't lock it, so after this I've just got to nip out and okay. do that. All right. Sorry, um, buddy.
0: It's the final match of WCW. They lasted for another f- nine years after this, but they didn't produce any more five star matches, in the humble opinion of Mr. Meltzer. But what we are talking about is also the second war games match that WCW provided that we've given five that has been given five stars. The last one was an eight-man match involving the Four Horsemen. A year later, it's all changed. It's a ten-man situation, and the Evil Heel faction of the time is the Dangerous Alliance. Poorly dangerous Lee's and I said it in the previous episode as we were introducing it, Murderer's Row of Talent. They walk down the ring in a single file, and they it's just crazy how good this faction was. It's... Paul, poorly dangerously, one of the greatest promos of all time. Medusa as well, one of the most unfortunate, timed women wrestlers of her era. She was really born in the wrong era entirely, um, well ahead of her time. But a future WWE Hall of Famer and women's champion under the name of Lundra Blaze. Um, and they are accompanying, get this for a list of talent, ravishing Rick Rude, a very young, very early into his career, stunning Steve Austin. Arn Anderson, the Messiah of the Spine Buster, and also the true War Games expert, it's fair to say. Beautiful Bobby Eaton, one of the greatest tag team wrestlers of all time. And Larry Zabisco, a man who built quite a reputation over his time and was involved in one of the biggest pre-Hulk Hogan matches in wrestling history. With Bruno Sammartino, so who, all men who've carved their own niche into wrestling, all brought together under one faction. I mean, were you aware of the Dangerous Alliance before all this, and did you know how stacked a faction they were?
1: I was aware of the Dangerous Alliance because um, I've watched the Paul Heyman DVD, and obviously they talk about how he has just throughout history just been like a magnet or a conduit for talent, so to speak. Um, and you're right, you just, there is not anyone in that. There's no weak link amongst that list. No one that doesn't deserve to, like... Larry Zabisco,
0: would... Larry Zabisco can be guilty of taking, you know... Uh, the, the the whole thing about Larry Zabisco is he would stall for, like, five minutes in a seven-minute match, you know? But yeah. still fantastic in the ring. Like, just watch some of the... There's like a tag team like him and Arn Anderson were a tag team to begin with, the Enforcers. And they had some fantastic matches with like Ricky Steamboat, Dustin Rhodes, Barry Windham, a combination of those three guys and, and, and others as well, the Steiner brothers as well. They were having great matches with them too. So he's still a fantastic wrestler, you know? He's like he's like yeah. you know he's he's the he's the he's the, the equivalent of Akira Taue. You know, he's a really good guy, just not
1: as it's ones. not in the same tier Maybe as the in, others, not consistently
0: yeah. enough. Anyway, and they are facing off against another murderer's row of talent. I really should stop saying murderer's row. Um, of Sting Squadron, which is Sting, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboats, uh, Barry Windham, Dustin Rhodes, a very young Dustin Rhodes, and Nikita Koloff. Uh, we've got several guys we've already seen before there with Steamboats and Windham. Uh, some of the great rivals of Ric Flair actually really with along with Sting and Nikita Koloff. And a very young Dustin Rhodes. Um again, what do you what do you think of all of that talent as well? It's just
1: like it's there's just so much going on, like there was just an embarrassment of riches, really.
0: Mm. And it really does pay up <clears throat> I, I will say right away I definitely rate this match higher. I this is the high this is my favourite war games match. I made clear in the past my criticisms of them the formats, but I would rank this as the best World Games match. Whether I give it five stars or not is later to be seen. But it does get the chaos of it. It does get the violence of it. Um, there's just the pace is so... Like, there's no there's no Larry Zbysko stalling here. They go in... No. Whenever someone goes in, it's balls to the wall. Like Barry Windham and Steve Austin, who started off. No Alan Anderson. It's, it's interesting that they gave Steve the... Uh, because Steve is still very early into his career at this point. Oh yeah, very, he just, debuted in 89, 90. So he's like two, three, about no more than three full years into the business at this point. And he doesn't look he, out of place at all.
1: No, no, he, he, he's more than able to hold himself um, in the opening exchange. Um,
0: can you always can you get past the fact that this is blonde haired, traditional wrestling heel? Steve Steve Austin. Austin. Can you Um, you marry him with the Austin that you know?
1: No, I I sort of look at him in a separate way in this match. Um, Purely because Stone Cold Steve Austin is just such an iconic character. I don't want to sort of muddy the waters, really.
0: Mm. I also want to say one of the things I really like about this match compared to the previous match is the level of improvement in the presentation. Yeah. The arena's better lit, the ring has a really cool colour scheme with the red with the blue ring mats and the yellow and black and blue colour scheme. Uh it just overall looks a lot better.
1: Well that's just experience, isn't it, on the production team's part. Well like maybe they just
0: had a bigger budget at that
1: point, I'm not sure. Yeah. But the more you do something, the better you're going to get at it in theory. Oh.
0: So yeah, I got the sequence of entrances in, and it's like it starts off with Austin, uh, Wyndham. What's interesting as well with the entrances is they don't very often. You think I think if the WWE booked it, like they would, like say Hulk Hogan was in a War Games match in WWE, I think they would have saved his entrance to the last. Yeah. Whereas I think with War Games, um, they they don't do that necessarily. Like like the last guy to go in for both teams is um, Nikita Koloff for the babyfaces. And I think uh, it's Bobby Eaton for the heels. Like it is Eaton for the Rick heels. Rick Rude, who's sort of the de facto captain of the team, is the third man into the match. Similarly with Ric Flair. Ric Flair was the third guy to come in to the. And they they emphasise the notion of strategy. Like Paul Heyman's there with lots of pieces of paper describing yeah. what they're gonna do, which is an interesting touch. I thought. Just...
1: No, I really like that. I really like uh, how they lent into the strategy side of it with like the presentation of Heyman and um, Medusa like key, as well.
0: It seemed like the key to them was like to try and keep the match on their side of the ring and yeah. keep it in their corner. That seemed to be what they, what they were saying.
1: Yeah, because um, obviously when your guy goes in, you've got less distance to travel and like, less distance to get cut off and what have you. It's, it's simple. It's tag team logic. Yeah. And it is a tag match.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'd call it that, but it's, it's structured. It's almost like well, it's structured kind of like a Royal Rumble a lot of the time. in that when when guys make an entrance in the Royal Rumble, even if it's like JTG or someone like that, they're usually given their thirty second flurry at the start, where people come in and they get to hit them with their trademark moves, like yeah. attack them. Usually, Cody Rhodes is the first one to go after them, and they get <laughs> hit with a move, and they get you know they get their, they get their time to shine. And I think you get that with this, like, whenever someone comes in, they're, like, hitting them with DDT, you know, like, Arn Anderson comes in, hits a DDT to Barry Windham, then smacks a Steamboat with a, a, a spine buster and then him and Rick Rude do a double Boston Crab onto Ricky Steamboat's. You know what I mean? It's like they give them, they give each of them like their time to shine and then they yeah. go into sort of just the brawling all over the cage. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Thing. I get what you're saying in like the sense of when they enter. Yeah.
0: Except, and the exception of that was when Larry Zabisco got into the ring and Dustin Rhodes was waiting for him and just rocks him with a punch going in. And the crowd yeah. goes crazy for that, you know?
1: Can That's I hear Paul on the outside just going, ah, when it just starts <laughs> to go <get> wrong.
0: <laughs> That's the thing I love about WCW fans. They really loved what they were watching. You yeah. go back and watch Nitro and they, you know, the, it's not like the 205 Live guys in the WWE You have to work hard to get the crowd, like, the crowd's going crazy, but Ultimo, Dragon against you know, Super Colour. You know, the crowd loves it. Yeah. And I miss that. I miss those fans. I really do. Because we're a bunch of arseholes now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <That> <laughs> and also, a this a sizable match... thing more than this anything else. Match... Match... <laughs>
0: This match does have storyline in it as well. So, again, this is more along the lines of how the WWE would have done it. Specifically with Nikita Koloff. Because Nikita Koloff had only come back recently. And the year before, he'd been in a rivalry with Sting. He'd been in a rivalry with Lex Luger. As a heel, He cut that's how he'd come back as. And then he was saying that he was sorry and he was turning over a new leaf. But there was still that level of distrust about him. So that's why he was the last guy to come in. And, like, there's a callback to that when he's, like, talking to a Sting in the ring. That uh, That rhymes. And like I think Rick Rude, I think uh, Arn Anderson and Steve Austin go to just, attack them. He pushes them out the way, and he pushes Sting out of the way to absorb blow. That's referencing back to how Sting and Nikita Koloff's feud started, because Nikita Koloff was feuding with Lex Luger, and Sting and Lex Luger were having a match against the Steiners, which is another great little tag team match. It's like an almost like an all Japan. It's as close you get to like an all Japan match. Lex Luger, one of the Lex Luger's best matches ever, and um. Nikita Koloff runs to the ring to attack Lex Luger and Sting threw Luger out of the way, and then Koloff hit Sting and Sting got pinned.
1: So ah. that's
0: So it's a callback. So it's one of those sort of incorporated callbacks that, like, again, some of the WWE do very well and WCW do very well in this instance. But like I said, the thing about the, the War Games matches is there's not a lot you can say
1: because it's just who had um someone had an injury as well in this was Sting's ribs taped.
0: Uh, are you mixing that up with Brian Pillman in the previous war games
1: oh, no because um they they go after a certain body part it's the shoulder isn't it
0: I think Barry Wyndham might have
1: been injured it's the shoulder sorry it's the shoulder of one of them
0: yeah, well because the finish is about the shoulder as well because Larry yeah. zabisco gets like the They like, deconstruct the ring and Larry Zabisco gets like the uh, not a pipe I don't know like a I'm not sure how to describe it really a bit of steel from the ring, uh, from the buckle.
1: Like a support kind of thing, yeah.
0: And goes to hit Sting with it, but Sting ducks and it hits Larry Zbysko. Uh, it hits Bobby Eaton. And then Sting puts him in an armbar, and maybe for the first time in wrestling history, an armbar's enough
1: to win the match. <laughs>
0: it's
1: just weird, that. Um, and obviously you've had Medusa climb the cage at this point to drop the mechanism in. Yes, and
0: Yes, she drops a weapon in for, for I think, Arne Anderson or... Yeah. Drew ...to hit everyone with. Um, yeah, I just, like I said, there's like it's not as rigidly structured as, like, the most recent WWE War Games matches have been, that everything's clearly segmented, and we're gonna do this spot now, we're gonna do this spot now, and it's not as long as that, like I said, my, my quarrel with the most recent, although, I don't know, by the time, we, yeah, I would have thought, by the time this comes out, there won't have been another War Games match, I'm talking about the one with Pete Dunn, Ricochet, and War Machine, against the Undisputed Era, yeah, That match was too long. That was definitely a too long a match. Yeah. Um, but Very yeah, good, but just too yeah, long. Yeah, that's why I would rate it just below this match. Because this match really got the intensity. The stars were in it. The, 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 the pace was kept. Like The crowd didn't feel like it deflated at any point. It wasn't um, so obsessed with weapon spots or anything like that. It's interesting how compact as well, though, the, uh, the cell structure of the war games is. There's not a lot of room. No. to breathe.
1: I know you're putting ten dudes in there. Yeah, like Bruce Cameron, Steamboat, who
0: likes to do high flying moves, is like struggling. You know, you and you got guys like Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham, who were both about six foot five, six foot six, and their heads are nearly touching the ceiling. Think, yeah,
1: Windham pretty much does scrape the roof, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Bless him.
0: Um, I don't have a lot left to say about this match. Do you, Simon?
1: Well, no, because we've sort of covered war games as a concept. Yeah, uh, yeah. Other than biggest...
0: to say, I think it's the it's the best one, but for me. I wouldn't quite give it five stars.
1: No, me neither. Um, It's fun. It's very good fun.
0: If, if someone wanted to watch a War Games match, this is the one I would direct them to. Very bloody as well. I mean, yeah. Steve Austin is disgustingly...
1: Yeah, yeah they go really hard really yeah. early.
0: Austin bleeds, Dustin bleeds a lot as well, just like his old man.
1: And Austin bleeds before, I think, when it's still... Just the two of them in the ring.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's very early yeah. to be
1: doing that. So it's, he's carry, he goes for the entire match bleeding.
0: Which was always the thing that confused me that Bret Hart claimed in his book that Austin had never bled before their I quit match and that he asked Bret to cut him for him. I wonder if maybe it was a case that maybe Austin had asked Barry Wyndham to cut him for him as well, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. It's it's quit it's weird when you look at it like that was the thing with me with let's talk a little bit about blading I'm not sad that it's basically gone from wrestling I don't think wrestling needs blood necessarily yeah. I don't think it needs it <laughs> if it comes hard way I'm not you know then work around what you got to do I don't like it the maybe- problem
1: I have with that is when. Um, they try and get hard way now. They try and get blood yeah, out. They yeah, are yeah. doing it via hard way methods. Yeah, Brock's well, out Al- on that. the alternate. Yeah. some yeah. Unnecessary. Yeah, of course I not don't approve of that.
0: Yeah. Um yeah. but uh I, I don't need I don't need intentional self mutilation to entertain me. You know that, no. and that's and that is what blading essentially was. The trouble People is mutilating themselves. themselves.
1: The trouble is with it is, is you you went. You, people went to the well so often; it didn't mean that much. Mm. Like yeah, it's with any. If, yeah,
0: if you did it like once, well, that was the thing. Like when Brock Lesnar did it uh, in the first match he had with Roman Reigns, then it did mean something. Yeah, and it, uh, it kind of works with that because it's like he's, you know, the monster is hurt. If you know, it's yeah. like it's like predator. If it bleeds, it can we can kill, we can kill it. it.
1: Um, yeah, I, I just think Brock's, Brock in particular, his his mantra now is if I have to bleed, I will just chuck myself against something.
0: <laughs> I think, I think mean, if any match to have blood, I can understand them feeling like they need to do it for war games. Yeah. Um, that was, And that was just the culture of Southern wrestling back in the day, you know. You look at much how bleed, Brock bleeds. Bleed red for money green. That was the, that was the concept. And it didn't feel like it was, it felt like it was a necessity. Like every Hell in a Cell match felt like there needed to be some blood.
1: This is it. I feel like I'm leaning on Brock a lot for this. It's it's a wrestling wide problem, not a Brock Lesnar problem. But if you look at the Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar first Hell in a Cell match back in 2003, even Heyman bleeds in that. Yeah, well they they, bleed everywhere.
0: And like they had, well, I think one of the Hell in a Cell matches they had the ref bleed. I think it might have been the one where Tim White had his career ending injury. I think Uh, the Jericho um,
1: Triple H one.
0: Yeah, I think he bled in that as well. Possible. I think a ref has bled in at least one match, like that. But anyway, yeah. um, it makes sense because he like hits the cell, doesn't he? And that's what leads to him like separating his shoulder in the Should, first place. Yeah. But anyway, uh, that was a little uh, side street we walked down on. Um, now, Simon, our next match that we will be covering is the final chapter in a trilogy of matches that we've seen. The previous one. Was only the second match that we gave five stars to ourselves collectively.
1: Uh, we both, it's the second one we've agreed on, yeah. Second
0: one for you, fourth for me overall, but only the second one for you and also the second one we agreed on. So once again, the super generation army of Mitsuhara Masawa, Toshaki Kawada, and Kenta Kabashi lock it up with Jumbo's army of Jumbo Saruta, the shithouse Masanobu Fushi, and Akira Tawa.
1: Oh, I just I love the fact that you have adopted that shit elsero.
0: <laughs> but until then, if people want to get in touch with you, Simon, how can they do so?
1: Uh, they can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free, uh, free for the number of corners left in one of the rings come, come the end of this match.
0: My name is Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for double A Arn Anderson, N for the N in Arn Anderson. <laughs> And you had to go
1: for my knots. (laughs) Brilliant. Uh,
0: uh, That's my email address. If you put it at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my Facebook, Twitter, Letterboxd, Instagram, everything else. And if you want to get in touch with the show itself, maybe we'll read your correspondence out in a later episode. If it's an interesting one, maybe you've got opinions on blading and war games matches. Maybe you think that the 1998 version with... Uh, DDP, Roddy Piper, Stevie Ray and the like is another one worthy of a five-star rating. Is that the dry ice one? Yes, that's the dry ice one. That's
1: got Ultimate Warrior in it. And um, And Renegade. And Renegade. (laughs) Uh. Uh,
0: Then get in touch with us on lmtyspod at gmail.com. But until then, my name's Lorcan Mullen.
1: My name's Simon Cross.
0: Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time until then.
1: Up the hell we touch it Then I hit the And kissed my head when nobody was working. Got the great internal cramped With its two flashing red eyes Turn around it's so watching The watch on the thick sky Flags for few, big hairy climb the bottom. The symbols of our heritage Not proudly in the night Somehow fix to see the homeless people pass out of the lawn For